working in on the wing on his backhand, trying to drive the net. Roll it in front. They score! Amario on a beautiful little pass from Adam Brooks. And the Maple Leafs, with 1.25 left, have taken the lead. Leafs Nation postgame, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Uh, Jack Campbell might be the nicest man in the world. And we're, we're lucky enough here to have the kind of postgame feed up. And he's just, he's just giving out gifts. He's taking pictures. He's like a mall Santa. He's autographing sweaters. He's just, he's having a time here in Ottawa. They're not, as we mentioned, there are not that many people in the building in Ottawa tonight. And I think every single person there got a meet and greet with Jack Campbell. <laughs> it looked like after his interview with uh, Sean McKenzie. Yeah. Doing the postgame interview. So I, I, a young man comes down wearing a Campbell jersey and takes it off and tries to throw it to him to get an autograph. And then Steve Keogh, the media guy, somehow says, I, I think he kiboshed it for whatever reason. So Jack Campbell just took the hat off his head and threw it to uh, the person. So anyway, there we go. Yeah, he's doing hey, all the pictures uh, and that. Hey, that's cool. That's all right. That's Look, fun. Here's the thing. Like, we all have kind of had our fun with Jack Campbell, the nicest guy in the world. But it's like at a certain point in time, you do this long enough, that's who we are, right? Like, this isn't an act. That's just actually who he is as a guy, who he is as a human, and uh, who he was as a goaltender tonight, uh, leading the Leafs to a win. I mean, well, maybe not. Maybe he wasn't the lead. As we mentioned, he didn't face a shot for the first 13 minutes of the game, but uh, impressive nonetheless for his uh, full game tonight. Well, first intermission, Brett, we talked about that it's not a good game for Sheldon Keefe, not a good game for Jack Campbell, because it was a real blase first 20 minutes. The Leafs dominated. Ottawa had a way better lineup in there. And just wasn't doing anything. But at the end of the game, Jack Campbell made some big saves. And and uh, the nice guy thing, it's you know, it's kind of like Joe Siddle getting emotional last night at the end of the Toronto yeah. Blue Jays season. It was really, really neat. And I, I like that emotion. Like Jack Campbell was the first goaltender selected his draft year, 11th overall. So this has been just when you expect, at least expect it's going to happen. He never had been a number one goaltender. He got his act together. And we uh, experienced in the playness, in the playoffs, like, you know, him having... You know, you say goaltenders are supposed to be Freddie Anderson or whatever. They're supposed to be cool as a cucumber and that. And he wears, Jack Campbell wears his emotions on his sleeves. And and uh, and that's worked for him so far in Toronto. Yeah, and a guy, a guy we talked about from the Ottawa perspective of things tonight, you know, a guy like Colin White, not to write off anything in his career, and he did not return with the upper body injury tonight. But, you know, a player like that looks at a guy like Jack Campbell and says, yeah, there's a lot of roads to success in this league. It doesn't necessarily mean yeah, hitch on with the team that, that, that drafted you and they have a long, uh, successful run. I mean, if we're going to talk about the game tonight, First star, we got to do it. Two goals, Pierre Engvall. I mean, we were talking about he's one of those guys who is in the mix. He's fighting for a job. And I mean, you know, it's it's a preseason game. Goals come when they come. But you get two of them in a 3-1 win, and you got to feel pretty happy about that. Okay, empty netter at the end with about two seconds left. But still, and normally he wouldn't be on in those situations. And normally he would not be on the power play. So good for him that, you know, with pretty well everybody that normally is on the power play, not in the lineup now for the Toronto Maple Police, But uh uh, it's funny. We brought up his name in the first intermission about, you know, looking to make some kind of impression. What was he got six shots on goal? Uh, he, he made a really good impression. Like he had six shots on goal, two goals tonight. Uh, I like the way he played. And again, really those final third and fourth line spots and, and fifth line, as far as sitting in the press box, being a spare, what have you. Uh, that's what Sheldon Keefe and his coaching staff are trying to figure out. And of course they can change it team, you know, game, game by game. And one thing, Brent, you mentioned Nick Robertson and Josh Hosang, they didn't shoot when they should have shot. Mm -hmm. And then the third period, Nick Robertson shot a couple times. Um, Nice to see sometimes you're trying to make 
a, a positive impression by make the ridiculous highlight reel pass. And sometimes you just got to shoot the bloody buck. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 you know, they were tentative and then all of a sudden Nick Robertson, that's more what we want to see. That's exactly what you want to see. And it, it's funny. You think like for, especially for a player who you've seen enough of to have some idea, but really not enough of to have an idea of what his complete game is as a player, but you just hear the shot, the shot, the shot. And it seemed like every time he got the puck on his stick during the first couple periods, there was room and there were lanes to shoot. And he tried to really, now, again, this is probably part of preseason, right? You, everyone knows that Nick Robertson can shoot the puck. And yeah, you like to shoot a couple in the net to really show off that shot. But you do wonder if part of that calculus for a player like him is I want to show Sheldon Keefe. I want to show Kyle Dubas that I don't need to exist on the perimeter. I'm comfortable going in. But but at the end of the day, you have to kind of perform who you are as that player. And then you, you mentioned Hosang there is another example of that. He's coming in on the on the two on one late in the period there. And it's clear as day look, shoot, shoot either low blocker or do the the pass off of the pads with the shot there. And again, it's just a player. Now this is the opposite of Robertson. Hosang thought of as a guy who's a playmaker thought of as a guy who's a disher. So maybe he, you would like to see him shoot to kind of get out of that mindset. But yeah, again, it was just, it was kind of right there. And you know, another player who, who is, I don't think quite as much in the mix as those other guys are who would have been right at home in the third period of this game is Curtis Gabriel. Wayne Simmons had to do his best impression. And it was funny. I think it was Drake Batherson who took the run at Biega a bit of a bit of a high hit there. And Wayne Simmons lost it on the bench. You could see him literally, I'm pretty sure break his stick, slamming it on the boards. And then he goes right out there, goes it, goes at Batherson. Nick Paul tries to come at him. And it's just, you know, it, it kind of shows you that yes, you want toughness. Yes. You want guys who can fight, but sometimes it's just going out there and puffing your chest out is all it need. All it takes to kind of cool down the game. Uh, it was funny because Sens were on the power play and, and, and Simmons got so ticked off from the bench here. As you mentioned, he was on the bench and broke his <laughs> stick, which tentatively, you know, technically he could get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for that. And, uh, but you know, Drake Batherson, he signed a deal, mm-hmm. nine hits tonight. I mean, he's engaged. Yeah. That, that's where the first period, like we mentioned, it was a no hitter. It was a pretty, pretty blah game. And then you got that kind of intensity that that's what the Ottawa senators were all about. You know, last year, uh, that kind of feisty play, that kind of physical play in your face. And one other one, because you'd mentioned Pierre Engvall in the first intermission. Second intermission, you mentioned Adam Brooks. And another flavor of those uh, third, fourth, fifth line. And he's the guy that set up the winner. Mike Amodio got it, but it was just a great, great play. And you kind of, like you mentioned, you wonder is, uh, okay, Adam Brooks, is he the kind of guy that he leaves the Toronto Maple Leafs, doesn't make it, and then starts scoring a ton somewhere else? Uh, you can't make decisions based on that kind of fear. You have to see what they can do for you here. But you're right; it's it's he's uh, he's a bit of a tease that way. And there, that that was a great play. I mean, that was the game-winning goal late in the third period. I know it's exhibition, but that was a real nice play. Now, Gord, I don't know if you know this about me. We're going to get to know each other a lot this year. I always expect the worst, so it's I. It's like I can wholeheartedly see a world where it is Adam Brooks, Winnipeg Jets third line winger, and he has 11 points and a playoff run or something like that. I just feel like we've seen this movie uh, a million times before. And the interesting thing about Brooks and we'll, we'll bring it back to Robertson and Hosang is all of even Pierre Engvall, 
all of these guys kind of do something different. They have the thing that sets them apart. For Engvall, it's supposed to be his size. For Robertson, it's the shot. For Hosang, it's just the skill he has with the puck. And Adam Brooks is the exact opposite of all those guys in that he has no one skill. He just always seems for me to be in the right place and knowing how to play with good players. And maybe that's the thing, but he doesn't have that one kind of wow thing that stands out like the other guys do about them. Yeah, I'll I'll bring different skill sets to the table, like you mentioned, Brent. And I know... We keep talking about beating those three games to death, games five, six, and seven, but Sheldon Keefe and his coaching staff are trying to figure out, okay, you point the finger at the big guns being pretty well absent in those games, but where's the Barkley Goodrow, Blake mm-hmm. Coleman line for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Like one of those three games, like, you know, how, how can one of those lines not come up and be a difference maker? So that that is something, again, you're trying to gauge again, you know, we go back to it in hindsight, Joe Thornton probably got too much ice time. You know, you're, yep. you, you uh, were kind of honoring your commitment to him. And, and whether it's Adam Brooks or Pierre Engvall, whoever it is, you want to have four lines that are that are going to give you some balance in the playoffs that it's not just all about your first and second line getting it done. Yeah, that's right. They're going to be need to be a much more balanced team this year if they want a uh, lengthy playoff run. We'll, we'll just take getting to the regular season at this point. That's Gord Stellick. I'm Brent Gunning. You're listening to Molson Canadian Leafs Hockey on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Leafs Nation postgame, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. The Leafs victorious. Big game. Big win. 3-1 in Ottawa. Oh, no such thing as a bad win uh, in Ottawa in front of the uh, the 37 in attendance uh, there at the Canadian Tire Center. Uh, again, a 3-1 victory. Leafs back out of tomorrow. One more preseason game after that coming up on Saturday. Of course, we'll be on uh, following uh, the baseball game tomorrow night. We will have you covered with uh, Leafs Nation uh, postgame as well. I mean, you know, you you talked about it at the very end there. Of the, of the last segment, the the need for other people outside of the big four. Yes, that's going to be Nick Ritchie. Yes, maybe that's Michael Bunting, the superstar of the preseason, as I'm calling him. But it do, I think maybe the most interesting thing to me is what they're going to get out of that third line uh, with, with Kerfoot, Kasha, and, and Camp as well. You know, Camp is such a defensive center. Kasha does have some offensive upside. Kerfoot showed he can kind of play a lot of different ways, especially with what you saw of him in the playoffs. How much do you think it's fair to kind of expect scoring as opposed to just good play from that line? Well, if you're in a third line, good, you know, good play is, uh, and and particularly in, I call it the Jay Pandolfo syndrome. Remember mm, Jay Pandolfo? And he would have a certain stats in the regular season and he would replicate them in the playoffs because your third line ends up playing more mm-hmm. and you need them more, but they have to create some offense too. I know sometimes oh, it doesn't worry as long as you hold. No, you got to like, like the critical goal at the right time. And that's why, you know, the, 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 the Coleman example is just a great yep. example, you know, so no, you, you've got to, you've got to just contribute, you've got to contribute uh, offensively. Uh, uh, you know, may, maybe if you're up against Connor McDavid, uh, <laughs> you can look at, you can look at that uh, a little bit differently, but you know, you need diff- different, and, and I'll use the St. Louis example when they won the Stanley Cup. And you look at, uh, and uh, Craig Berube would, would make some interesting substitutions. Like a player might be out for five games and all of a sudden play two games yep. and be, uh, be a factor in that. They kind of had like 15 forwards in the 12 spots. And that's just kind of what you need. And, and the coach, it's an inexact science, but it's getting a sense about, you know, about what the team needs or what you, the gut feel you feel. And again, statistically, but also no, the gut feel you feel that is is that is that spice 
that will work for on that particular afternoon or evening. Well, you know who that guy's been for the last kind of two years for the Leafs. It's been Jason Spezza. Like of all of the guys who have rolled through the bottom six of that lineup, and we talk about Kapanen and we talk about Janssen, guys who are supposed to be offensive sparks. Nick Robertson has been dying to get in there. It seems like of all the guys in the bottom six that you can, and you, you say count on, you know, it's not like he is a point per game guy or anything like that. But in terms of his time on ice and what he gives you, it's Jason Spezza. That's been the guy you can kind of count on. And I do wonder if maybe he gets used kind of in that role again of, you know what, let's kind of mix and match that bottom six. You know, Nick Robertson's in the lineup. Well, you'll want him alongside Spezza for his offensive zone starts. I do wonder if if that's the guy, you know, you're going to have Campy, that third line center. And, you know, I don't know how much center you want Spezza playing, but if he's going to be in a fourth line role where you can kind of mix and match his wingers, I wonder if that's how he makes sense this year. Well, there's no bigger Jason Spezza fan than myself. But that's the problem. Good on Jason Spezza, but bad that he's the guy. That just, you know, he he is supposed to fill a certain role with his leadership and the intangible he brings, which he does. But then two years in a row in the playoffs, he's had to go out and and you know be be the one uh, lesser light that makes a positive imprint. And that's why those playoffs have been disappointing. So good on him as an individual. And you're hundred percent right about that. But if it happens again and he is the guy, uh, I know what the results going to be in the first round. Yeah, there is no, there's no bigger indictment. And again, it's a moment you like to see out of this player, but there was no bigger indictment on the Leafs team going back to the bubble than when Jason Spezza had to fight Boone Jenner to wake the, wake the team up and find a little life. It's Jason Spezza, you know, your elder statesman. You should, there should be someone on the bench saying, I got to go do it for Spezza, do it for Thornton. That was the thing that was, was put in front of them. So yeah, it's going to be, it, it will be, I, I'm really curious to see because the thing about Sheldon Keefe, he loves to mix. He loves to match. Yes. Those, those top two pairs, they're going to be pretty much set it and forget it. Matthews and Marner, Nylander and Tavares, it seems like that is going to be locked and loaded. And then Camp and Kasha have kind of been tied at the hip in in preseason. But outside of that, I don't think anything is promised to anyone. And that goes from Nick Ritchie all the way to Nick Robertson. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, uh, and, and the others, like you mentioned, the, 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 the true tryout uh, is not the factor because when you sign certain players – Although that's where it all started. Mike Babcock's downfall that basically he stuck it to Kyle Dubas by questioning why Jason Spezza was with the Leafs. That just gets and worse and worse starting. every I know, game. He I know plays. it goes on and on that way, but, but, but no, but that was exactly what it was all about. And he was signed. And so you've signed these players. So you start with these players and uh, you, uh, you know, find out and one or two of them. I mean, Jimmy Vesey's an example last year uh, rather quickly. And Sheldon Keefe gave him chances. One mm-hmm. thing, Sheldon Keefe, he, he you know he gave him all chances to play on the second line at some point. So it's not like someone that's always on the fourth line and the team's not going well, and you start picking on your fourth liners. Yeah, well, well said. And the the good thing is, if if you are someone who likes to pick on fourth liners, something tells me you have a lot of options that'll be cycled through uh, th- those roles uh, this year. That's Gord Stellick. I'm Brent Gunning. You're listening to Molson Canadian Leafs Hockey on Sportsnet Five Nine of the Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Leafs Nation post game. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick here alongside me. Leafs 3-1 winners tonight in Ottawa. Pierre Engvall with a couple of goals. Michael Amadio with the other on a sweet, sweet, sweet Adam Brooks feed, I, I must say. Uh, not, now, look, we're not going to overreact to this, okay? 
None of the guys who are going to play on the power play with the exception of, I think Jason Spezza and Michael Bunting were there tonight. Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell. Oh, it's a great, yeah. it's a great point by you. He will play at least in half the games on the, on the power play. Hopefully he doesn't hope they actually, you know what you mentioning this, they gave a few too many shorthanded break or, or power play breakaways. So maybe, maybe uh, we hope he's not too involved. Power play goes one for six tonight. And look again, missing all the guys they're missing. You're not going to overreact. I'm not going to react all that much, but you know, you can, now that the preseason is gone along, you've seen the blue and white game. You're starting to get more of a feel for what this team wants to do on the power play. You know, what do you, what do you make of the new look that, that you're seeing there? And you know, what are your expectations once the guys that are actually going to be on it are playing? Yeah. Well, the look tonight and uh, Joe and, and Jim alluded to it, uh, just weren't moving enough, mm-hmm. just weren't moving enough. Now, now Pierre Engvall, who probably, uh, who did not get a power play point last year, I wonder if he played a power play second last year, but he's the one that did get the power. Probably, play goal. probably a like offensive zone when face off when there's one second left, something in the, like that in the power play. So, so anyway, but good on him for doing it. But again, it you know, that was the mystery last year, Brent, because the season started with a really good power play. Mm-hmm. And then when it went in the dumper, um, I kept maintaining it would come out of it. Well, when the team went in the dumper, they came out of it every time. Like like when they needed to make a statement game, they did that. They made a statement game. But the power play just never came back. And uh, I know they've got a new coach to work on the power play. I mean, Manny Malhotra was that guy last year. And again, I think the coaches get way too much credit or way too much blame uh, in, in that realm. But it, so, so they're looking at, I, I don't know if they're overthought it last year. At some point you wonder, because sometimes maybe just be more instinctive. And that's what may came into play, but but they got to get it back. They got to find it. It, it. it is a real, and it should be a real strength for the Toronto Maple Leafs when they have all hands on deck. You have far too many talented players who can do enough different things, right? If you just had four snipers, you can understand how the puck would get static and guys would be stuck in their positions and there wouldn't be much movement. But just let's let's kind of look at the big four. You've got Mitch Marner, who is as good a setup man as there is in this league. You've got John Tavares who can kind of play any way you want. And you know what he's great at? Digging pucks and being big and strong in, in front of the net. You have two elite trigger men in Austin Matthews and William Nylander. Then you have a capable point pivot in Morgan Riley. Or, hey, you yeah. don't like him. There's Rasmus Sandin. Like, it just makes no sense the problems that this unit's gone into. And I think you nailed it with the being more instinctual. It is important to have a plan. It's important to have a process and know what you want to do. And when you go into those ruts, that's what you should be leaning on. But for a group that talented, it should just be go out there and kind of let it ride to a certain extent. You're going to have an elite shooting threat on either wing and tons of skill elsewhere. Like it just, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. a year earlier, it was Tyson Berry that who did fit in in Edmonton, but just, you know, wasn't able to fit in that point role with Toronto. We, we know Mitch Marner that, team started overplaying the pass mm-hmm. that he has to, he has to give a shot every now and then. I think, you know, we're breaking down the minutia for each individual, but if breaking down the minutia helps them get back to where they were, then maybe go more instinctive again, uh, then that would be the way to do it. Cause it, it, it was, it was a head scratcher. And unfortunately, if you're cheering for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, that's not, that's not a, that's not a fun thing or a funny thing. It, it, it was a real problem and a, and a reason about losing games that they would have won the first, what, half of the season you would think with that kind of power play. 
Yeah, that's it, right? It's just as simple as that. You can point to plenty of other things. You can point to goaltending at times or just plain old health of goaltending at other times last year. But if there's one thing you want to drill down on, it's the power play. Because even going to the, the games against Montreal, guess what let them down there? Once again, it was the power play again. So look, there's a lot of things that will dictate how well this Leafs season goes. Austin Matthews health, maybe numero one. The goaltending position, how that shakes out, that's going to be important too. But I mean, it, it's hard to, for me, it feels hard to overstate how important it is for the power play and not just important to be a strong unit, but to get off to a good start because it, it feels like something like that can spiral negatively if it doesn't start strong. So we're going to be on Leafs Nation post game tomorrow. So I, I think these final two preseason exhibition games, they'll get more, way more, one more regulars in, and they'll want to work the power play with the real guys in place. So that's something as we get a bit of a crescendo heading into the regular season. But I got to say, I would have loved to have a conflict tonight for game number one sixty three. I would have loved to maybe get on the air late because our beloved Toronto Blue Jays were playing game 163, but uh, it wasn't to be. Let's just hope our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs are playing games number 83 and 93 and maybe 103. Oh, 103 would be nice. How about 16 playoff wins and lifting a big shiny cup? Uh, that's way, way too much to ask for. That's Gord Stellick. I'm Brent Gunning. As he mentioned, Leafs have two more preseason games left. Tomorrow night at home against Montreal. Saturday night at home against the Sens. And then the season starts for real October 13th at home against the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians. That's Gord Stellick. I'm Brent Gunning. It's been a ton of fun. Technical director Andrew Dutch Hall and producer extraordinaire Sam McKee. But most importantly, thank you for listening. This has been Leaf Station Post Game with Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick.